because it's fun. It's fun to do bad things. 24-7 Comedy Radio. I want to do horror stuff with my friend. everyone welcome to the green room we're doing it live here on shantygreen.com presented by our good uh, friends over at 247comedy.com we're live here in the silver lake studios like logan said we're being brought to you today by amazon you can just log on to shantygreen.com click that amazon link and you can actually bookmark that link so anytime you want to go to amazon you know you go to amazon you get whatever you need off amazon you do your dirty little business on amazon we get a little cut of that <laughs> And uh, actually, it's been going really well between this podcast, The Green Room, and the other one that I do with my buddy Ryan, The Sports Gambling Podcast. A lot of people have been supporting it, and I really appreciate that. You know, we're growing things, Logan. Speaking Absolutely. of Logan, I'd like to welcome on my left-hand <laughs> man, Mr. Logan Lysico. Logan, what's shaking? What's on the scene, Green Machine? Not much, Logan. Not much at all. I was, uh, I was just telling my family back home that I was hanging out in the uh, Silver Lake area, obviously, where... We currently live, and I was walking around. I was walking with my dog and uh, saw a couple coyotes. I saw two coyotes walking around in the neighborhood, and I've seen, like, a lot of random wildlife in the Silver Lake area. Like, there's been raccoons, um, skunks, possums, and this is the first time I saw two coyotes. I'm with the dog walking, and the dog is, like, his first instinct is that he wants to play, so he's, like, wagging his tail (laughs) trying Trying to run over to the two coyotes. But in the back of my head, I was like, we could take these coyotes. They looked, uh, they didn't really look that scary. I mean, they were only slightly bigger than my dog, the dog being about 40 pounds. So wasn't that intimidated. But uh, it was kind of interesting because I know, like up in the Hollywood Hills, they have coyotes. But we're a good, you know, five, six miles away from that. So I was surprised to see them come down this far. Yeah, it's always shocking to me. Like, I mean, this is the second largest city in America, and it's overrun with wildlife like that. <laughs> You want to yeah, get up on the mic? Oh, there, sorry about Logan. that. Yeah, this won't. <laughs> I know how to use a mic, but it won't. Uh, oh, here we go. That's the problem. All right. And uh, <laughs> we'd like to welcome on our special guest, Mr. Eli Braden. Eli, thanks for coming on the program, man. Hey, guys. Thank you. Uh, no problem. Thanks for coming on. Now, Eli, you've been. Uh, let's get a little background <laughs> on Eli. You're, were you. Um, I know you're known for your musical comedy. Did you first start out doing music and then got into a comedy? Kind of give us, uh, take us through the paces of how you started off. You summed it up perfectly, to tell you the truth, Sean. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, I started doing serious music. Um, and, you know, at a certain point, it's like the record industry, all the woes. Yeah. The, you know, that you always hear from musicians, and it's just like, eh, I'm kind of over this. But, you know, the only thing I can do is music. I have no other skills or talents. <laughs> I've invested my entire life, my entire future in a. A career in entertainment, yeah, uh, to you know, to varying results. I'm all in, you know. <laughs> and then I got married, and then I had kids, and all of a sudden it was like, well, fuck, um, I'll just go into comedy now, <laughs> and uh, you know, we'll see how things pan out. Yeah, I'm, comedy. Oh, yeah, God, my fallback plan is a career in comedy. If my <laughs> career as a rock star doesn't take off, I thought you were going to say trade school, but comedy. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little embarrassing at my age to try to 
you know, change horses midstream. <laughs> little, um, uh, learn a little HVAC on the side. <laughs> See, I don't even know what that stands for. <laughs> <laughs> you know, heating, air conditioning, that kind of thing. Oh. All right, so Eli, now where'd you grow up? What part of the country? Uh, I grew up in southern Illinois, like farm town. Okay. Uh, Melissa McCarthy country, it's known as now. All right. Um, varying towns. My parents moved around a lot because uh, my mom was just like chronically dissatisfied. They had me very young. They were like 19 years old and... Uh, and near St. Louis, and I think we first moved to like a town of four thousand. My dad got a job in a paper paper mill, and right. my mom was like, "It's too small here. I need some culture." It sounds uh, like a so Bruce Springsteen song. It is, yeah. My, it sounds my like old a mid- man got a job at the paper <laughs> mill, but mom wasn't satisfied, so she needed a little more culture. So we kept a rambling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it sounds like a lot of people in their mid twenties. You know, that's the time when people move around and. But we moved around like every less than every two years. We moved. I never was in a, a town or a school wow. for more than two years, and, I, and it gave me like this sort of nomadic thing. I didn't really ever make good. I, I don't really develop long lasting relationships with people, which has served me well in some ways in my life, but has also yeah. like, <laughs> crippled me emotionally in others. <laughs> Which I, think we're, I think we're all on the same page there. Yeah, yeah. That's that, must why we have, that must have been a great way, uh, great way to pitch things to your wife. Listen, all right. I kind of have a two-year limit, and then I'm, I, then I'm moving <laughs> well, on. We broke up for like several months at one point. Oh, um, okay. But then I was like, you know what? This uh, that last one was all right. It was okay. <laughs> it was, I wasn't really getting out because I I wasn't trying to get out of it because I wasn't happy with her. It was more just like, hey, man, I don't do relationships, baby. Right. Yeah. yeah, you're rambling, man. Eli. I'm a rambling, I can, man, but I can sense I'm, that about you. I'm entamed. So now, when did you? Uh, where were you last living before you rambled out here to well, California? Uh, from SoCal, I mean SoCal, from Southern Illinois. Which I, sh- I should make the distinction when people say when you say Illinois, people always think Chicago. It's Southern Illinois is adjacent to Kentucky and Indiana, and that's pretty much what right. it is. And so it's Hicks, you know. So I just got out of there. I hightailed it out of there as soon as I could, and ended up uh, going to San Francisco for many years. And okay. Then, and uh, I don't know, man. So I mean, now, what's, what's the transition like? Kind of uh, hillbilly, southern Illinois lifestyle. Obviously, you must have had some, you know, some inkling towards culture that you wanted to move to San Francisco. What, right. what particularly brought you out to San Francisco? Well, I'd met a, I'd had a band in high school, and I'd and I'd met a, a guy from a, a big, somewhat big band called The Call back in the eighties. Okay, um, and we'd opened some shows for them. And we just—he basically was like, "Listen, you and your guitarist are really good. The rest, the other guys in your band, suck." Um, <laughs> now, did he I'm, have that conversation in front of them? No, he didn't have it in front. <laughs> the of The drummer sitting like, "What are you guys talking about?" He uh, probably would suck, have because he was kind of an asshole. But, you know, <laughs> uh, but then he was just basically like, "You know, I'm looking to transition." I mean, I'm synopsizing. He didn't really say this, but sure, I'm looking sure. to transition to producing artists, and I'd really like to work with you and this other guy. If you guys would just want to come out and move in, you can move into my house. You know, but my family and we'll just we'll make a record and I you know I I think I can get something going and so we moved out and it was just crazy you know and it it was I would say the transition was I was super naive we were both really naive we ended up working with this guy within a two year period recorded an album got a record deal with Island Records wow um, the other guy that I moved out here with got <laughs> addicted to heroin okay in San Francisco wow. this was in San Francisco yeah and then the, we got dropped from our record label. Because the guy who signed us got fired, and and uh, the whole thing just fell apart right there. And it was just like, now, wow, um, what an introduction to uh, <laughs> to reality. Yeah, you get the you get the you know, battle with the record company. Right. Your bandmate strung out on heroin. It is a true rock and yeah. roll story. Except Real- the music sucked. Yeah, <laughs> it was a really mediocre album. Okay, now Island Records. What kind of other artists did they have on? A little band you might have heard of called U Two. Whoa. I'm familiar with their work. <laughs> um, they were. It was. A, it was sort of an independent label started in the 70s. I think. I think specifically to release the music of Bob Marley in the Western hem- world, and it just ended up being a 
it was never one of the huge, huge, huge companies. But I mean, they had U two, they had they had tons of. You yeah, too help fills out the right. roster. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Okay, so now what was your – how would you describe that album and how would you kind of describe your music especially early on? Well, I mean I would say it was – it's kind of funny the way I would describe it. Are you familiar with like Britpop, from the like 90s Britpop? Okay. Like Stone Roses and uh, the Charlatans UK. That was kind of what was hot at that time or it had been hot in recent years and uh, – we were kind of like doing like an American version of that kind of stuff back then. That's okay, that so now it's was. you. I know. Uh, I know you as a singer. Now uh, you also played uh, guitar too, right? I did, but I was mainly the singer in the band. Okay, I was singer. You're not going to believe and- this. I was thin and sexy, <laughs> and I worked it, baby. <laughs> I, b- I believe it. No. <laughs> now you're a, you're a jolly fellow. You got a big beard, but, I, you, but you're married. I'm jolly. You know? I like that jolly. That's yeah, cool. you know. Um, <laughs> Gregarious. There's Gregarious. a lot of there's yeah. a lot of positive euphemisms that you like. I'm trying to work in here. Thank you. Okay, so you kind of hit the wall with the band. You guys get dropped from the label. What's a conversation like getting dropped from a label? Is it all? Is it just abrupt at once? Do they yeah. just come in and just go, "Hey, it was, it was you're not on the label anymore." It was just out of nowhere. Like I just got a call. It was just basically like, "Well, Carter, this guy Carter is the guy who signed us." One word. That's Carter. You, you can imagine the ego in this guy. I'm Carter. <laughs> I'm Carter. I'm an indie rock producer out in San Francisco. I already like know this yeah. guy without that actually knowing him. Yeah, uh, I don't really watch TV. He, he, I swear to God, he was in his 40s when I met him, and one of the first things he said to me was, uh, "I don't care how much acid you ever take, you're never going to take as much as I did." <laughs> I was like, oh, what a, what a, okay. what a weird <laughs> challenge. You know? yeah. And you're, uh, you, the other guy in the band was like, well, I'll beat you at one <laughs> oh, thing. Yeah. Heroin. I'm going to show Carter. <laughs> when I went into his office, the first Do you really? I, I mean, uh, now I'm not, I'm not stepping on uh, Carter's game plan, but is that really a great idea to challenge uh, rock musicians to like drug battles as a, as a business strategy? Well, uh, you know what? I'll tell you what. You know how the, the music industry is collapsing? In in large part, I know this sounds like I'm being you know silly, but it really is because of shit like that. Like where they these right. these these A and R guys at labels get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars a year and get like these huge expense accounts just to fly around and party. Hey, I found the newest band, you know, and uh, it's you know it's like that's why they're that's why these record labels are failing because yeah I mean they I guess throwing money around like it was bullshit you know yeah I guess that's kind of what's awesome about the internet is that. You can kind of – the people have the power. It's not yeah. up to um, you know these business guys yeah. to pump up a band or sure. not pump up a band. Yeah. You were one that they, they wanted to pump up at a time, but then – Then they de-pumped me. Yeah, they, they took you – yeah, I mean I think it's – that's kind of what's empowering about the internet is yeah. that we ta- we're taking out the middleman. Yeah. You don't need to have someone deciding what content is good or not. You can kind of just send it right to the marketplace yeah. and let the market decide. Totally, man. It's – Okay, so now you're up in San Francisco. Your buddy's getting addicted to heroin. That's probably not a. <laughs> well, I kicked around and did some other bands for a while, and uh, you know, I, I mean, I've always had somewhat success in music. I mean, some years I've managed to, you know, make a living off it—a very modest living. But um, you know, and I still and I still do to this day do serious music stuff for pay, just not to the extent that I was. You know, sure. Now, what do- kind of like, as a guy like yourself, what kind of music gigs can you? For a guy who's not like a household name, what kind of work can you get as a musician? You know, a, a, a partner and I had written a, have written a bunch of songs. We had a band actually here in L.A. When I first moved to L.A., I had a band for a while. And we a lot of the songs that we did got put in like movies and TV shows, you know. And, oh, okay. Um, which the, that's, the, that's such a lucrative 
line of work, it's just it's really hard. To, it, there's no stability in it. It's kind of yeah, like yeah, you're just yeah. pitching yourself, and you kind of sign up with companies that pitch for you, and then they take a cut, you know. But uh, you know, our yeah, shit's I mean, good. Our shit's good, so you know, it's, it fits into that kind of. Okay, so what um, what got you out of San Francisco down here to I the? Just, LA I started area. meeting people in LA and and. Uh, people who they'd come up to do shows, or I'd come down here to do shows, and I just really met a great group of people, and uh, you know, in the music musicians, scene. yeah, ma- okay. mainly music people, and they were just like, "You should come down here. There's just a lot more opportunity, you know." And and uh, there is, there's a lot more opportunity. It's just, it's, I don't really even, I don't have a very good memory. Like honestly, I have kind of a fuzzy memory my whole life, and I don't, I don't really quite understand what happened that I'm suddenly doing comedy. Like it's <laughs> like I really was like. When I moved to L.A. So five you years just, ago... you just went on a bender at some point. You woke up. You're doing comedy. <laughs> I guess so, man. I, like five years ago, I moved down here, and I, ha- and I started a band right away, and we started playing around. And Okay, like, so now did you move down? Did you, were you living in L.A.? I, was, I moved to L.A. moved to Hollywood when I first moved here. Okay. Um, my wife actually stayed in the Bay Area for oh, so you, so you ended six up, months. So you met the wife in San Francisco. Yes, yes. We've been together quite a while. Okay. Yes, so yeah. you... All right. Now, what are we talking age-wise? How old are you when you decide to kind of come down to L.A.? Um, I'm in my early 30s then. Okay. You know, and it's and I'm just I'm just kind of thinking more along the lines of, you know, I don't really know if I'm going to do the rock star thing anymore. At You're starting point. to think like... But I do want to do a music thing, you know, because that's, that's what I got. You know, that's all I got is my fucking music. Yeah. So I put all my, <laughs> all my eggs <laughs> in the basket, you know. It's like... Now, so I might you, as well come down here and just... To see what I can get going. And then, when do you when do you have a kid? When do you start? Um, my, my kids are. I have two kids. They're four and three. Okay. So so shortly after you got shortly to after LA. I had my first kid, I did like a music duet with a with an actor slash singer slash comedian friend of mine named Zach Selwyn. He was like, "Let's do this song together," and we did a video for Adam TV. That okay, and it just. They loved it, and it was it kind of blew up. And then we did a few more together, and it's just we had a couple like kind of viral hits, I guess you'd say, you know. And uh, I was like, "Fuck, I want to do this all the time." It's like you know. Okay, so you nice. started messing around with comedy, and so the music, doing funny comedy songs, that was before doing like stand up stuff too. Yeah, or? I mean, originally I wasn't even performing at all. It was I was doing my whole goal was like just to do just to record songs and do videos, and somehow try to finagle that into some kind of. I don't know, success, I guess. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't know how. There's no precedent for it, you know? It's like the comedy music is like, – a lot of people just don't kind of turn away from it instinctively, which I kind of don't blame them because I think a lot of it's terrible, you know? But uh, there's some really great stuff too, like Tenacious D. I mean when I first heard Tenacious D, I was like, I can't yeah. believe these these guys are so good. These songs are hilarious. You have a, you have a Jack Black uh, S quality about you. I can see Thank that. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. You, you mean because I'm? It's it's inevitable that I'll be a movie star, right? Right. right. That's what I was going. At. Okay, <laughs> but yeah, there, it's them and Weird Al. I'm, I'm yeah. hard pressed to think of another. No, yeah, it is. Comedy. The music Flight of the Concords kind of pulled oh, yeah. it off, but that's true. Know. It's weird. Like I feel like it's it's kind of easy to go up and get a couple laughs with a, a song parody and kind of do that, but to take it to the next level, I feel like it's really hard. I mean, yeah. maybe a Dimitri Martin or there's guys yeah. who. Kind of, they don't do funny songs, but they just have their guitar up there, kind of right. as just like, oh, hey, this is kind of my uh, little clutch here that I can, uh, you know, this is, I can just, if the joke doesn't go well, I can just kind of do a little ditty on the guitar. Right. But you see yourself more as uh, singing songs. Yeah, and, I mean, I see myself, I mean, I perform primarily now in comedy clubs and comedy shows, but I, I just basically am doing music. I don't really do stand up. Sometimes I'll do right. a few little jokes or whatever, but, yeah. you know, I'm just really just trying to, I don't know. I'm just trying to do somehow make a do something original because I mean it is original what I'm doing. Uh, I just hope that people dig it because you know I get sometimes I kill 
sometimes I everybody's like looking at me like, "What are you doing up there?" And I'm just like, well, yeah. I mean, it's it's weird uh, reading a room for like a stand up thing, but then reading a room for a comedy music thing, I think would it'd be like a whole nother aspect to it because yeah. you're kind of more or less locked into the song. Exactly. And I, I imagine it's tougher to make adjustments where. If you're just doing stand-up... You can it, read it, the room a little bit and all that. Yeah, you can't... I mean, it would be really difficult to change the words or, like, change the melodies. I mean, as you're singing the song, you're kind of... I mean, I guess you can mix it up with your song selection and stuff like that. Yeah, and, you know, I'll, I'll bail on something if it's not working. I'm, I have a... Especially when things aren't going well, I have a disturbing tendency to call it out how bad it's going. Like, right. Which I notice a lot of comedians don't do that, and I know why, because it's, it's hard to... Once you do that, you can't dig yourself out of it. You know, yes. it's like I'll be like, "Man, this is suck. This sucks." You know, I, I, <laughs> yes. I, did, I did my show. I do a monthly show at the Improv Lab um, where I, you know, book my my favorite comedians to come on and everything. And a couple times we've done the show and it's sold out. And then a couple times we've done the show and it's sucked. There's been hardly anybody there. No difference in the amount of promotion I do. I, did, I don't right. know how to explain it. I did the show mm-hmm. last night. There was like ten people there, and I just felt really negative. You know about it. I didn't really. I wasn't an asshole on stage, but let's just say that I ended up pulling my pants down and uh, mooning the audience. Like it's <laughs> like ten people just metaphorically. Because, no, literally. <laughs> oh, I don't know, and I don't know why. I was just felt like, <laughs> metaphorical moon. How's that a metaphor? Metaphorical Logan? moon. <laughs> I did a metaphorical mooning. He said, "Let's just say I did this." Like, well, let's just say. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I did it, but uh, everybody got to see my juicy hairy butt. Right, that'll put that'll put them in their place. Now I, I got a, I got a couple uh, songs here that you sent over before. This mm-hmm. is um, a song titled uh, "Britney Spears." You want to give us a little background on it? I will. You know, this song isn't even really that funny. It's just kind of a rockin' tune okay. that has nothing to do with Britney Spears. All right, well, just uh, yeah. So this is now. Would this be something that would would this kind of be similar to your sound that you would hear on a purely musical CD? Uh, yeah, this is from my album, which is called "The King of the New King of Music Based Comedy." Okay. Available at iTunes All and right. on uh, Spotify. You know, anywhere music is stolen or sold. I like that title. <laughs> All Thank right, you. let's uh, let's take a little listen to Britney Spears. Toe tapper. <laughs> but is it a new song? Yep. It's the pants clapper. Right, there you go, a little bit of the Britney Spears song. I like <laughs> Don't that. To Thank you. You know, you get a uh, raucous energy. I could definitely hear that kind of going on in a club. Is that yeah. kind of where where the Britney Spears thing came out? Because um, towards the end of the song, I the lyrics say something about uh, I've been thinking about Britney Spears all day, and that's got nothing to do with this song. Oh, okay. It kind of resolves itself, but uh, yeah, I think <laughs> there was some marijuana involved in the writing of that one. <laughs> To be honest. I could I could see that involved in the uh, music comedy game. Yeah, I could see that as a uh, performance enhancing drug for the music <laughs> comedy world. Now this song I uh, I really enjoyed. I, I think I saw this the last time we did a show together. I, I'm pretty sure you you played this one live. This is about it's called uh, My Kid. Yes, yes. and obviously 
uh, about your kid. Kind yeah, of, kind of it, take us through the thought process here. <laughs> well, I originally that, that dude I mentioned earlier, Zach Selwyn. This was actually one of the the songs that we did together when we first like were collaborating on um, songs and videos, and uh, we did though originally the song was a straight up parody of My Dick okay. by uh, what's the dude's name. My Dick. Avalon, Mickey Avalon. Mickey, yeah, Avalon. Mickey Avalon. It's a great tune. So we did My Kid, and it was all just like bragging about my kid. Got a, <laughs> My kid got a big dick. Yep. So we did a rap version of it in a video, and then I, I, that was always one of my favorite songs we'd done, so I wanted to play it live. So I kind of turned it into a – you guys into Bill Withers, that 70s soul yeah. singer? Oh, yeah. I kind of I was like, let's turn this into like kind of a Bill Withers song. And see <laughs> kind of a loungy thing? Kind of a loungy thing. Okay, yeah. so, but this is the studio one, right? Yep. Yeah, this is, the, this is the, the, Withers, the Withers mix. Okay, this is My Kid by Eli Braden. Oh. <laughs> He's already feeling it. There you go. There's a little bit of uh, my kid, courtesy yeah. of the great Eli Braden. That's awesome, man. So wait, what uh, what album is that a part of? Is That's that, I only have that? one real album. It's called the New King of Music Based Comedy. I've got put a couple more singles on iTunes, but where I'm focusing my recording energy now is I have a podcast called A Song a Day with Eli yes, Braden. I was just about to get that. Oh a yeah, Song a Day, and I'm doing these songs. There, it's much more lo-fi for the most part. I'm just recording them on my computer. And some of them suck, admittedly, but sometimes I really just crank out a gem. And it's just short and sweet little comedy song ditties. I, sometimes I'm literally just making it up off the top of my head. Um, I try to make I try to make sure it's something somebody would want to hear. I don't just put yeah. That's usually shit that's up, usually you know? a good idea. I'm a heavy editor. Like I'll, like if I do like a ten minute long thing, I'll pick like a minute of it. Uh, this oh, is okay. good, and I'll put this up. Yeah, I mean that's up. cool because I hadn't really you know generally the. Uh, you know, the genre of podcasts are these longer kind of free form based things. But right. then you think about it, it's like, oh, wait, yeah, that's fun to just have each day have like a one or three minute song come yeah. in. I'm just trying to approach it like there's such a low time commitment to people. Like if you have a minute or two a day, if, if you find some of these amusing, if, you know, it's downloads yeah. for free. It's a minute or two, sometimes maybe three at the longest. Yeah. And, you know, check it out. And if, if you turn it on, you're like, this is stupid. You turn it off. No no, no big commitment. Now, um, you're a uh, you're big um, – I, I guess I would call you a, a Twitter persona, Thank Twitter you. personality. Yeah. You're big on Twitter. Think uh, – what do you got? 33,000 followers. That's pretty impressive. Where did uh, – what do you kind of attribute your Twitter success to? Oh, my Twitter success. Uh, I think I, – I don't know. I think I got a lot of followers. I, I think I'm pretty disciplined in what I tweet, I guess you'd, I'd say. You know, I mean I, I mean I used to really be – Have you been doing it for a while? I think like since late 09 is when I started. Okay. And man, I look back at some of those old tweets and they're really stupid. I mean it's made me a much better joke writer just, yeah. just based on seeing what people respond to, you know, and, and what and – like, I don't know. Just – Thinking of jokes all the time. You know? Yeah, no, I mean it is. It's literally instant feedback. Yeah. You can kind of see who's into it, who's not, and yeah, I mean I don't think it's something like 
base everything off of as far as comedy, but it does – it helps you structure like brevity. It makes you kind of be short and sweet, yeah. punchy. You kind of got to get to the point. Right. I mean it's a, it's a, it's a particular kind of comedy. And, and, yeah, and I yeah, think exactly. Some, some, sometimes like some tweets – would work as jokes on stage. Any jokes I do on stage usually like tweets. I'm like, I'll think of them. I'm like, oh, I should say that. Um, but like, you know, it's also like, it's a, just, a, it's a unique medium. It's like, it's kind of like that Jack Handy from Saturday Night Live back in right. the day. It's just like, it's like you can, whatever you can say within 140 characters, joke, absurd observation, whatever, you know, something to make people laugh or something that's amusing. You know, yeah, something it's, it's either like absurdist observation, kind of like one-liner joke. Yeah. I notice you do a lot of um, kind of roasting of celebrities, I guess you could say. You kind of take their yeah. their tweets and uh, just basically shit on them. Yeah. <laughs> Where was uh, – where did you kind of – who was like the first uh, Twitter celebrity you kind of started messing with? Do you remember? Man, I don't know. I mean I know I, know I started seeing that people would do that format where they would, they would retweet a celebrity – Something a celebrity said, they would add a comment before it. It's almost like a Jeopardy question. Like you read the response, the joke response first, and then there's the and actual then, yeah, tweet and that you're responding to. But um, I, I was probably Kim Kardashian would be my guess. Yeah, she because she's just adapter. such an idiot. And, I mean, she, I know it's everybody says it's not like a, it's right. a novel concept, but she's just such a piece of shit, you know. And Paris Hilton too. They're yeah, just, they're just they're just the worst. Yeah, they're pretty. Uh... <laughs> Pretty vapid. And I'd love to fuck either of them. They are attractive, um, especially Kim Kardashian. I don't know. Paris Hilton seems a little more fake to me where uh, Kim Kardashian has that kind of natural voluptuousness going. Uh, I love She had a better sex tape too. Yeah. Oh, man. Paris' sex tape. Forget it. It sucks. She she looked like she wasn't even enjoying it. I can't believe Ted Turner doesn't look like (laughs) – I mean Paris Hilton doesn't look like she enjoys anything. Let's be honest. Exactly. I mean even the stuff that she would seemingly think she'd be into, she still just looks like miserable the entire time. (laughs) I think when you're raised with wealth, it's kind of hard to be happy or hard to like – get really excited about something that you've just been accustomed to. Like if I went shoe shopping, well, that's not a great example, but if I like had money to do crazy (laughs) things, I would, I would probably enjoy it more than Paris Hilton. I I think that's, I think that's pretty obvious. Now, have you had, um, have you had any kind of celebrities go back at you? Have you had, uh, people mess with you? Um, no, most of the time they ignore it because I usually go after people that have so many followers. They just, they're kind of, they, they all are people who kind of subscribe to the don't respond to, to uh, to haters because they're just jealous. <laughs> exactly. I wonder, they, they, the Kardashians always say that people who hate you were just jealous. I'm like, I'm not jealous of you at all. I just think you're shit. You know, I mean, they're just just shitty. I mean, it's, they're not even shitty people. They really aren't. It's just they should not be that successful. And right, I think it's, it's a, they, it's a public probably, duty to take yeah, them I mean, down. Who knows? Honestly, the Kardashians might be kind of all right. I think it's just. What they symbolize in our culture exactly. is annoying, and yeah. I think that's kind of, and maybe unfairly so, they kind of become the focus point of it because yeah. they are so out there. Did you see this? Speaking of the Kardashians, they were, um, I forget which tabloid was uh, said it, but Khloe Kardashian, who doesn't really look as much right. like the rest of the Kardashians, they're saying that possibly she was fathered by uh, O.J. Simpson. Exactly. Do you hear that? Absolutely. Oh, wow. Yeah. I believe it, too. Yeah, I was I was tweeting about, uh, or I was you know joking that, yeah, she looks like she's got the uh, frame of a 2,000-yard running back because she uh. she's definitely kind of the, the bulky. She's like two feet taller than her sister. She looks, yeah. and she looks a lot like O.J. Simpson's actual daughter. Yeah, it's so. true. I believe it. I totally believe it. Hey, I, if it's in the tabloids, I believe it. I saw that, uh, <laughs> I saw you tweeted something about, um, 
You jo- you were the uh, what was it? You were the Michael Jordan of fast forwarding through the first part of the W two uh, WTF podcast, which is uh, Mark Maron's right. podcast, <laughs> and then. Uh, it's you know one of the it's I guess it's maybe one of the more popular kind of inside comedy podcasts. Right, and then I, I guess I don't know how he saw that. So, you well, I, I do know somebody. I wrote that like because the joke is obviously anybody listen to WTF. The first fifteen minutes are like Mark Maron talking. Yeah, Mark Maron does this kind of rambling. <laughs> he does this, he does this rambling monologue that yeah. probably deserves. Uh, and a if fast you're a fan of him, I mean, if you're a fan of him, then great. But the thing is, I, I'm a big fan of his interviews. I think I do like his interview style. I think he gets great stuff out of people. But I'm not I'm not a big fan of his comedy. You know, he's great at what he does. He's been doing it years, but it's I just not my thing. Way. So I so I wrote, I wrote that and then somebody who follows me some asshole immediately <laughs> retweeted it and t- and like put at Mark Marin oh. so he would see it you know it's not like he was searching his name yeah okay he, somebody put his at name so he would see it and then and then, and then he wrote to me and called me a douchebag <laughs> and I was like well that's fair you know? yeah, yeah. Is, <laughs> you called him a douchebag it is funny <laughs> just these just grown men you're just like going back and forth you're a douchebag you're a douchebag yeah. but you get you can't help it, man. Well, you kind of get it seems into- it's a little seems a little bit t- too much. T- I mean, I think he's a little in the worst than me because I mean, he's yeah. forty eight years old. He's been doing this for fucking twenty five years, and it's also like it's just some. You're, you're he's hugely successful now. His podcast is hugely successful, right? And he's, and he's like getting pissed off because somebody on Twitter is taking. Some no name on Twitter's taking a pot shot at him. It's like, come on, dude, who cares? Ignore. Yeah, him. I mean, and <laughs> yeah. and making fun of Mark Maron. If you're not familiar with the guy, he's a really sad, depressed cat guy who's comedy. <laughs> cat guy, cat guy. And a typical cat guy. Cat just, man. That makes yeah, sense. he yeah. calls his house the Cat Ranch. It's just a sad cat-filled world. But <laughs> you know, he was a dick to me once in person too. So that's what that's what this really all comes from. So. Yeah. Hey, that's all right. Yeah. You gotta, you know, if someone's a dick to you, feel free to mess yeah. with them and yeah. stuff like that. By the way, if someone tweeted about, I mean, I don't know, I can't speak for Sean here, but I feel like if someone tweeted about the Sean room, something that shows that they listen to it. Uh, <laughs> did I say the Sean room? Yeah, it's all right. The Sean room. <laughs> Maybe that, that sounds a little creepy for some reason. The Sean hey, room. come on. Hey, uh, you want to be in Sean's room? Sean it would be, I think it would be tough booking the show. Hey, you want to uh, you want to be a guest on the Sean room? Hey, you <laughs> what the hell's the, the Sean, Sean room? You record it. Yeah, room. in my room. <laughs> yeah, it sounds it sounds a little less creepy the green room. No, but I've gotten that on Twitter. I was even. Um, Goofing around on Twitter on uh, NFL Sunday, and I was tweeting something like, "Oh, hey, uh, play the Pam Oliver drinking game. It's just you keep drinking till you find Pam Oliver attractive." And then some <laughs> guy wrote, uh, "Do the Sean Green drinking game. Keep drinking till you find Sean Green attractive or funny." Wow. And the the funny thing was he wasn't. If you don't know Twitter, you have to follow someone to see their tweets. He wasn't following me. He must have just been searching Pam, Pam Oliver's Oliver. name. And so <laughs> He's a Pam Oliver fan. Stumbled upon a huge Pam Oliver fan. Wow. And uh, he was he was not uh, he was not happy about it. So, That's but I, I find that hilarious. I mean, if anyone's going to go out of their way to hate on me like that, uh, yeah, more power to well, it. Well, that happens a lot if you respond to Chris Brown too. Chris Brown has a lot of. Uh, team Team Breezy, they're called, and yes. they basically, if you write a tweet about Chris Brown, they they're not doesn't matter if you're following them, they're scanning the internet for Chris Brown and anybody who says anything, they will come at you, and it's that's really pathetic to me. It's like it's one thing to be a fan of somebody, even an extreme fan, but to be an extreme fan of a of a woman beater and like defend yeah. him against people who are calling him out for being a woman beater. It's I was gonna like, say well, when you say the name Chris Brown, that's all I think. Of, is that <laughs> well, his music's completely unmem- unmemorable. Yeah. You know? All I think of is sweet, sweet. Uh, soulful R&B. Oh, and, and how he beat the crap out of Rihanna. Yeah. His music I, sucks, though. I mean, and I, I mean, I like R&B music. I like, I like the genre he's in, and I just 
personally think he's a completely mediocre talent who is only successful because so many people think he's so fucking hot. Yeah. You know. So, <laughs> I can't so help you, it. Oh. so you, you're not, you're, you're not one of the people who find him so freaking hot. I like, I'm, je- I am jealous of him though, much more than well, the and, Kardashians. And speaking, because he apparently has a huge dick. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, that's he's that's got always, everything. That's always a selling point. Now you're talking about we're we're talking about huge fans and, and um, huge dicks. Exactly. And uh, speaking of huge dicks, uh, no, um, <laughs> just kind of like pe- out. It's people out time. Yeah, Sorry. people who Mine's are out. yeah, people who are diehard fans of stuff. And um, Joe Paterno passed away. I, I've gone over this a million times that I thought Joe Paterno deserved to be criticized. He deserved to be fired. And it, it's funny now, like, I mean, it's not really. Even, like, after he died, I understand people want to make the story, okay, what he did was wrong or whatever, but he still, you know, it doesn't deserve to overshadow all his accomplishments. My whole thing is his, you know, his catchphrase was success with honor. And... You know what? Honor to me is making the right choice in a time of crisis. And in my mind, he didn't do that. So it, what he kind of did was a cowardly thing. And then you see the the way people are writing about him. And uh, like this guy in the Huffington Post wrote this huge article about how uh, it was the media's fault, the media and their rush to judgment before all the facts came out. The facts did come out. All right. That <laughs> yeah. grand jury indictment was uh, decades in the running, and it's based on his testimony about, you know, McQuarrie coming up to him and that whole thing. So it's, I don't, I just don't understand. I understand saying, hey, what he did was wrong, and he deserved to be uh, ashamed for that. But I, he still did a lot of things right, and we should consider that when he passed away. I'm fine with that. But the idea that, oh, hey, not all the facts came out, you don't, not all the information is out there, that's ridiculous. Because then you could just defend, oh, what, if Jerry Sandusky died tomorrow, then people, then by that logic, oh, he wasn't, he wasn't found guilty of anything. Right. Oh, what, you're just going to believe all these uh, reports? It's like, yes, I am going to believe yeah. them. Well, Sandusky, though, it's so obvious. I mean, I, if, if there's any question about what really happened with – with uh, with with Paterno, I mean, my whole thing is if if I saw somebody, now, I guess he didn't see it, but if I if it was reported to me that somebody was seen, somebody I trusted told me they witnessed somebody raping a child or whatever was going on in that shower. Yes, I mean, I would not. Well, I, I would and, not how rest until, and how they're defending him is well, uh, Mike McQuarrie didn't give all the sordid details. That was one of the, the tenets of how they were defending Joe Paterno. I don't need to hear the sordid yeah. details. Kid and grown man and shower. That's enough for me to get the ball rolling. Exactly. Exactly. And, and okay, there's uh, there's no middle ground on guilt right. And in then that shit. okay, then uh, you know he mysteriously retires. I don't know that that whole thing. Um, it got me. It got me really. Yeah, fired. I mean, that, I I agree. I mean, those that needs to be brought to justice. And I just, if it was me, man, it was like I would go to the. I'd make sure. Yeah, if, and if, he, if a month had gone by, I'd be like, this dude hasn't been arrested yet. I'm gonna fucking make a call. You yeah, know? exactly. Any, any rational human being would do that. Or if you saw him on campus again with little kids, right. that would my some bells would be ringing. All or right? if you're close to the guy and you don't believe McQuarrie, then maybe go to Sandusky himself and confront him before. You know, exactly. Yeah, right. but it wasn't. You'll be able to but figure if it out quickly if he's. Yeah, if and wrong. no one. The thing with uh, child molestation, people don't just make up stuff out of whole cloth. You know what I mean? Like kids don't make up stuff like that. I mean, what is no. in it for Mike McQuarrie to make it up? It's it's absurd. All right, let's uh, let's move on to happier times. Now you you do a uh, you do a ton of song parodies, and they can be heard on the Howard Stern show. Right, Eli. The that's I mean I'm a diehard Howard Stern fan, and when I first heard you on that, I was like, oh my god, that's awesome 
take us Thank through uh, getting your your songs played on the Howard Stern show. You know, I just I I've been a huge Stern fan for years too, and I just had an, I never even thought to do any song parodies. I just had an idea one day. I was listening, and I was like, ah, oh, this would be a funny one. I just whipped it up really lo-fi on my computer with a karaoke track, just singing singing into the built-in mic and sent it in, and they played it the next day. And I was like, wow! And then I just like I started just making them, and they'd play everything I sent in. So I, you know, upgraded my equipment a little bit, upgraded my you know. Approach a little bit, and uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, no, you're like a uh, you're a regular uh, contributor on the Howard yeah, Stern show. It's that's... very cool. I, it's it's really cool. I mean, even yet yesterday, yesterday Wednesday show, I got like a, he played three of my songs. I got like a huge shout out from him. It was just yeah. Really I think great. he was. Yeah, I think he played your songs, and he was like Eli Braden. Oh man, I'd I'd vote for him on America's Got Talent. Right now, uh, you're as a big Stern fan. What do you think of uh, Howard Stern going on America's Got Talent? Do you think that's a good for, move for him? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a great move for everything because, I, I mean, I just think he's a genius. I mean, I I just think he's brilliant. He's my he's he's pretty much my hero as far as like American cultural figures. I just think that he's. He's so intelligent and bright and just ballsy. And when you look at his career and how he, he managed it, and he's 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 got so much integrity. You know, I don't know. I could go on about the guy forever. No, I just, no, I don't, no, I don't think I don't. I don't have. A, I would. He's one of the few people in the world I would not have a bad thing to say about. I just. I think he's an amazing human being. And the irony is that so many people think of him as the devil. So many people think of him as as the worst person, as scum. In yeah. a, in, because they don't understand what him and what he what he's done. You know, and, it, and that's yeah. Just, no, that's I mean, he brought he brought honesty into comedy and honesty, especially in a broadcasting. Yeah, I mean, you know, maybe guys like Richard Pryor were honestly, openly talking about their lives, but that that level of honesty and that approach of you know, hey, honesty in comedy is the funny thing, and honesty in broadcasting is entertaining. People enjoy that. We yeah. can have we are adults. We can have conversations about sex. We can, you know, rant and rave, and then, or you know, he'll just even get in his own head and break down his own psychology. I mean, it is, it is compelling, and he can, he can keep you interested in a four-hour show just by kind of sharing his thoughts. Exactly, even if it's his the most mundane the things, because when you get to know him, just the way he presents it, I, I mean, he's just. And I used to think it was like super spontaneous, but as as you get older and you try to do things like things on your own. You know things like this in a podcast. I'm sure yeah, you realize yeah. how hard it is, you know, right. to yeah. to be in- interesting and to pull that off. It's just it's it's staggering his talent, you know. And I, but I'm psyched he's going to that show because, for one thing, I think that he'll make the show even if even the, the role he's playing, he will make the show awesome to watch because he. I mean, he will be involved with every performance, every decision that's made, and it'll it'll it will really what these shows are supposed what these shows should be like an actual culling of talent. Instead, they just become yeah. freak shows, you know. Yeah, he's. I mean, they'll actually. You know, you might not agree with all his his opinions on this shit, but uh, he's just going to make it fun to watch, and yeah. that's. I think it's going to bring a lot of people into to subscribe to Sirius to hear his radio show because they'll be like, "Man, this guy's great." Yeah, he just he just tells it like <laughs> yeah. it is. Now, have you gotten have you gotten like recognized? Do people you get a lot of uh, people hitting you up on the internet? Oh yeah, I mean, it's, the- I think that's probably you know that's. I've, a lot of getting a lot of Twitter followers is definitely stems from that too. You know, um, yeah, I get a lot more. The plugs that I get on there boost my profile so much. You know, but uh, I mean, it's still not above you know water <laughs> necessarily. Yeah. But, well, know. I mean, what's it? What's the dream gig for you, Eli? Is it to to be uh, just a super popular music comedy guy with a great CD and kind of touring? Is you know, that- honestly, I'm kind of. A, I would love to do anything. I'd love to do that. I'd love to tour. I'd love to record. I'd love to. I'd love to collaborate on other things. I mean, I'd love to write 
for I'd love to be like a music guy on a comedy project, you know, like yeah, so, some you know to some extent like integrate what I do into some other show in collaboration right. with other people. Uh, I'd also just like to be a writer. I mean, I think I could write for TV too. I mean, that'd be a cool gig, you know. Yeah, especially way, if it's on a great show, you know. By the way, you've heard of Reggie Watts, right? I do. Yeah, I what love Reggie Watts. Yeah, yeah, he's fantastic. I'm a big fan. Yeah, of Reggie Watts. He's he's, um, he's a uh, he's a black. He's a yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you were trying to say. Yeah, exactly. He's an African American, as I like to say on this program. He's Eli. a unique act. He's yeah, like a musician, but he. He's kind of got a or... um, what I don't know what's the uh, what's the piece of equipment called that he uses? Um, I don't I guess you, I don't know what you call it. It's it's like a looping machine, I guess. Yeah, so, yeah and yeah. he just records different sound effects yeah. and different got to build tracks. soundscapes. But it's there's really bizarre and it's crazy, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a, it's it's super, a pretty unique, it's super act. entertaining. I love him. All right, well, Eli, as a uh, guy who likes to roast people on Twitter, I imagine you keep up with the pop culture news. Absolutely. I don't know if you saw this about our uh, our good friend, Demi Moore. It's been reported that substance abuse and a seizure caused by inhaling a dangerous amount of nitrous oxide, as in whippets, were the reason behind her hospitalization Monday night. Is that, she in eighth grade? Yeah, I know. What is this? <laughs> <laughs> it is it is bizarre that you're a grown woman and nitrous is the thing that yeah. you're getting into. I mean, a rich grown woman. Yeah, you're. Yeah, that, nitrous is something. You know, if you're like a high school kid at a Dave Matthews concert, I know she's into young guys, but I, I feel like this this is just bizarre. <laughs> like, where was she when you know we were in high school going to like fish concerts? It just seems like a bizarre thing. I, I mean, as an adult, I don't think I've been to a party. As a grown adult, have you been to a party where people are, are doing nitrous? Like I just – and especially like a nice like black tie Hollywood – okay, maybe some big executives are, are doing coke somewhere or you know people are, are smoking some weed or something like that. But nitrous just seems like hilarious. Like, just picture passed out with some Ready Whip bottles or just that big tank like – Yeah. Well, maybe they said that because whippets are legal. And maybe she was on something that was illegal, so they. Well, I don't. Think I, I always, I always, I mean, that may, that may be absurd, but I always question no, the reality of these kind of things. Like, what yeah. do they have a motivation to lie here? And if well, she was right. On I mean, originally, or originally, you know? I think they reported that she was. Uh, she checked into the hospital for exhaustion, oh, and um, you know, so that's that's generally you know code for um, a drug problem, but. Um, yeah, and then I guess it came out that supposedly the exhaustion was related to having a seizure from uh, doing nitrous oxide. Right. And, it, I mean, nitrous is really – I mean, it's a dangerous drug, especially if you are younger because all you're doing is cutting off the flow of oxygen to your brain. And you can get really – I remember I was at a concert and – I saw a kid who was passed out and like just kind of convulsing on the ground and was just like banging his head against the pavement. I mean, it wasn't like you know his... that was still probably more enjoyable than fish. Right? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I'm just oh, kidding. I like fish. No, it's all right. Yeah, you know, I, it's 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 fair. Um, but uh, <laughs> no, yeah. I mean, just that. Like, yeah. I mean, it's it's not rocket science. If you cut off brain or oxygen from your brain. Bad things can happen. So yeah, I mean, you can you can uh, pull a carotene. <laughs> oh yeah, David David Carradine, of course. Uh, yeah, no, that was uh, that was also pretty tragic. He David Carradine was uh, known for all those kung fu movies. And how old was he when he passed away? Uh, maybe sixty. Fairly young. No, was he was. I thought he was in his fifties. Oh yeah, I thought he was. I thought he was older. I thought he was. 
You he know. might have been older. I'm not sure. He might be in the older. 60s, I, I think at least probably, because I think those kung fu movies were popular. 70s. Yeah, so if he was in the 70s when those movies were, I mean, he died not that long ago. Um, I still remember... <laughs> I still remember when that happened. I was like, they should come up with a device in the same way we've all... Okay, so David Carradine um, died from autoerotic asphyxiation, which is, you know, you take a a belt around... Let me demonstrate. Yeah. You take a belt around your neck and try to strangle yourself as you're uh, pleasuring yourself. And I guess because you cut the oxygen off, you get this crazy rush. So apparently he was into that. And tragically, uh, these accidents happen where... You're choking yourself, and you, you choke too hard, or it, whatever whatever's happens, like you you actually die, and, and it's it's really the, it's up there for like most humiliating humiliating ways to go. But there's I was, no question. There's no. Question. I was saying, horrifying. I can't imagine yeah. even wanting to try that. How dark Ugh. do you have to be? <laughs> well, I, and actually, and the idea of like, how does that kind of start? Like you're just sitting around. You're like, uh, oh, wait, hey, there's some belts over there. Hey, that David – because the only time <laughs> – yeah. I mean, think about it. The only time – did you ever hear this out of the context of no. someone doing it's it and dying? dying. <laughs> the only time – that's when I first heard about it. I, it's never like sitting around, guys going like, oh, yeah. Hey, what are you doing with that belt later tonight? Oh, you know. Like I've never heard it come up <laughs> casually. There was actually a joke in Super Troopers, and I had to ask someone what that was. And oh, that's really? That's when I – figured it out but uh i was saying now as sick as it sounds but if you're david carradine or one of these wealthy celebrities who happens to get into this thing what you do is you know those blood pressure machines you know you put your arm in there and then it's it squeezes it really tight to kind of like get your blood pressure up kind of essentially choking your arm and then it gets your blood pressure reading and then it relaxes what I'm saying is if you're a wealthy celebrity like uh, Mr. Carradine was, you get one slightly bigger, make it a, make it a nice big one so you can fit your uh, neck through there <laughs> right. and then hit a button. It chokes you for a designated amount of period of time that you <laughs> predetermine and then it lets go automatically. So, you know, win-win situation. Yeah, there's no way you're going to die. You might pass out. But. Right. And for anyone listening, don't don't just walk into CVS and try that with the uh, – <laughs> I always – And also don't steal our idea. Where, yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah, I'm going to go to uh, LegalZoom and uh, get that patent pended. Are they a sponsor? Um, yeah, they have been at time. You can go to LegalZoom.com and a referral code green there. Get a, uh, get a little LegalZoom discount. I remember, I don't know what it was as a kid, just the idea of like you could go in and play with that machine. Because like, it was never like off limits, but it was just always like, all I would say is like no kids. But you're like 12 years old, your mom's shopping. I always yeah. just remember going in like King Supers, which was like the grocery store, and just like playing around with the blood pressure machine yeah. <laughs> and just like putting my arm in or putting different things into it. It was, it was a fascinating machine. I, I have a huge thing. dick, so I would put my dick in it. Right, exactly. That's not true. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. Um, all right, let's, uh, while, we're, while we're talking about celebrities, our, uh, our good buddy Pat Sajak was on um, the Dan Levitard show and uh, opened up a little bit with uh, Dan Levitard. Have you ever done Wheel of Fortune a little bit drunk? Yes. A place called Los Arcos across the street, which is Spanish, as you know, for the Arcos. And um, we go, and they serve great margaritas. So we would go, Van and I would go across and have two or three or six, and then come and do the last shows and have trouble recognizing the alphabet. They're really good tapes to get hold of. <laughs> so, I mean, not that, uh, any, not that that's too shocking that a guy who's on TV. I remember... Um, my buddy, not too long ago, I want to say within the past year, was actually a contestant on 
Wheel of Fortune, and we went and rooted them on. But before we went on, it was like, oh, it's going to be this boring, long day of taping. Because you go there, and the thing is, you don't know. They tape, like, I think, like, uh, four or five episodes uh, in one day. There's a morning session. There's an afternoon session. But you have to stay uh, until lunch or until the end of the day, depending on – and it's totally random when you're – whenever – like – um, whenever you're uh, the person you're rooting on ends up getting so on he, Wheel he of Fortune. he might be in like the third or fourth show and you have to stay. Yeah, you have to stay and just watch Wheel of Fortune. It's very bizarre because, A, you can't apl- – you, like they'll have the uh, applaud in and out of the show. But other than that, you have to be deathly quiet because they're worried about you yelling out an answer yeah. and they're giving away all this money. So they got to make it uh, – you know, really official and stuff like that. So me and my buddy were like, oh, it's going to be a long day, boring, just sitting watching these other people play Wheel of Fortune. Ah, why don't we have some beers in the parking lot? So we, we had some <laughs> beers in the parking lot, got a little tipsy, and, um, yeah, it was fun watching it. But now, in in hindsight, it's funny thinking, like, oh, yeah, Pat Sajak had that same idea. Yeah, like, yeah. Ah, it'd be fun to just uh, have a couple pops here before I do the show. Sajak is like... There's there's a very disturbing quality about him to me. I mean, part of it is like you know, he's so bitter because he he had a talk show briefly. I think sometime in the nineties. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he? It was like a late night thing. Right? Yeah, yeah, and he, his whole thing as soon as he got as soon as he got that talk show, he was like, I am so psyched to be out of Wheel of Fortune. I hated Wheel of Fortune. These fucking idiots coming <laughs> in. Like he's just ragging oh, on no. it so hardcore. And then his talk show got canceled like within a year. And then I was like, oh, what's he gonna do now? And he like. Couple years later, crawling back to WOF, you know yep. the old wheels. They so call you just it. know that he fucking hates his life and he hates his job. Well, yeah, I don't know. I I think he it could I, have given him perspective and maybe made him realize how one would he hope was. so. Yeah. Logan's really optimistic about that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I like that. I never knew any of this happened. It's I think crazy. I think what probably what kills him is the repetition. And that okay, hey, I have so much to offer. It's it's a great and gig, the du- but the dummies too. I mean, it really is like the contestants. Are, it's kind of a dummy. Yeah, at not least, everybody, not your friend, but yeah. every, but the other ninety nine point nine. Yeah, exactly. He, he he knew what he was doing. No, it attracts a lot of you know goofs. Yeah, <laughs> there I saw was one a- on YouTube where. The guy was clearly a crackhead. Yeah, crack. um, <laughs> you go. Uh, yeah, if you want, his name is Raymond James. It's an epic story. You just Google Raymond James Wheel of Fortune, or actually, I think you just Google uh, crackhead Wheel of Fortune. And this is like the guy's is like early nineties, and he's just doing these like jerky like motions back and forth, and just like pet, yeah. ah, I think a C, and and you just tell the guy is geeked out of his mind, and he's on an epic roll, wow. and it turned, yeah, yeah. He won all this money. He won. He was like four day straight winner. I think his like prizes and packages were like over a hundred grand. And then he was like one of these people who was obsessed with the show to the point that he kept showing up the next day, the next day, saying like, "Yeah, I want to be a part of the show. Like, what can I do?" Like, just yeah. kept showing up to the point that they had to ban him from the office. They had to oh. hire security, oh. and then he ended up not being able to take the car because he couldn't afford the taxes. <laughs> And it just—I mean, just the idea of imagine if you gave a crackhead 127 thousand in cash and prizes. No need to what say he more. would do with his life. And oh, uh, that's crazy. Yeah, no. So uh, Google crackhead wheel of fortune if you guys want to have a little bit of fun there. It's real funny when they show him the car; he gets right inside, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> drives it out. Yeah, he's, no, he looks like he's going. He's to. like immediately trying to start it up. The, the, the wheel of fortune model is sitting in their car. Like, come on, bitch, oh my god, oh my god, what's going on? So Eli, are you? Uh, I, I don't see a, a ton of political tweets. You consider yourself uh, very political? Uh, not really. I mean, 
you know, I'm a big fan of Obama. I just really like Obama as a person, as a president, just because okay. he's smart. And I mean, I don't necessarily agree with everything he does, but you know, sure. I just like having a president that I respect. Yeah, I just yeah. feel like you know, Bush. I I hated Bush because I got a real thing against. I I hate nepotism, and it's to me like the yeah. it's the ultimate nepotistic presidency george w bush the guy was a fucking idiot i mean he was a fuck and i know I, I know we all know that now but it was just it sickened me when he got when he got elected you know it's like this guy anybody but this guy any fucking well here, here's the thing I, I think um what really stands out in george bush's run is that he almost bankrupt the texas rangers with oil money yeah. i mean how could you not Fa- win fails there's a fails there's no salary cap in baseball. You have a ton of money. Yeah. How can you not get the Rangers of the playoff? I think that's his. He's such greatest a fuck failure. up. I mean, he's just a piece of shit. And it's like how that. Ha- I don't. I still don't know how the fuck that happened. But whatever. <laughs> I just dig Obama. I mean, because he just is a cool dude. Yeah, he's a long legged uh, Mac Daddy. Here you go. Here you go. Uh, here's a little Obama being cool as it is. I'm <laughs> so in love. There's a little bit of uh, Barack Obama. I guess he was at uh, – I'm not sure exactly where he was uh, doing some speeches, but he just decided to throw uh, – somehow Al Green came up during the speech and he just Are you related to Al Green, by the way? Yes, exactly. A distant relative uh, uh, as long, uh, along with uh, Denny Green. Uh-huh. It, is, it is weird. Uh, the last name Green I think is very Irish and also very black because I, I went through this phase where I added all these different Sean Greens on Facebook. And it, it's interesting. There's, there's a decent – it was maybe like 50% black. It was, it was an interesting mix. And the funny thing is – I don't know how this came about, but um, – <laughs> okay, so I, I friended this Sean Green who was just this uh, – this uh, I think it was actually a random black girl, and she kept <laughs> tagging her. I guess her son's also named Sean. I, I don't remember the whole thing, but <laughs> it kept coming up like I was tagged as this black girl in these pictures because she kept accidentally tagging me. So it come up on my Facebook feed of like Sean Green, and it's just this black chick like you know in the in the mirror like combing her hair or something. Like, <laughs> Did it get a lot of comments from your friends? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and it is it's weird. There's even a there's a Sean Green. Uh, there's a couple different Sean Green baseball. Players players it's a, it's kind of a common name i would think so because sean's such a common irish name yeah yeah, yeah but yeah it's weird I, black and uh irish it's a it's an interesting there's mix. probably a yeah. couple sean sean t greens too but it's like sean t is one word <laughs> yeah exactly sean t i've gotten that before yo sean t what's up sean t green um speaking of unique names newt gingrich i feel like that's the only time i've heard that man's name newt is uh trying to make a run here for the uh gop nomination so He's kind of pulling out all the stops, making some uh, bold promises, and uh, this is uh, this is Newt really, really reaching for the stars here. By the end of my second term, you're not missing anything. He's just starting off his thing of like <laughs> right. people are just excited at the implication of a second term. It kind of sounded like ooh, yeah. <laughs> In the oh, audience. oh, he's a. Uh, a politician who's confident he's going to win. <laughs> like, wouldn't, yeah, of yeah. course you think you're going to win both times. If you think you're going to win the first time, well, he pulled a new if Gingrich. anything, the second one's going to be way easier. He took it to the We will have the first permanent base on the moon, and it will be American. Oh my God. I love that. That's hilarious. My favorite part, I mean, obviously him starting off with the second term. 
I love how he points out it will be American. Yeah, that hopefully that's not your goal is to create a Chinese moon base, dude. King Rich. I think you, I think when you say we, um, it's implied that it's American. All right, you know, it's not Chancellor Merkel from Germany and their moon base. Although that, I mean, as crazy as that sounds, I think that. Uh, Maybe that shows China we mean business. We get a moon base going on. You're like, all right, you guys got a billion people. You're clogging up the entire world with your pollution. You don't really care about human rights. Just so you know, we got got a little place setting aside some money. We got a moon base, China. We're keeping an eye on you. You guys haven't sent anyone to space. I feel like having the moon base, nice step ahead of China. It was funny how much of the uh, – you guys saw the State of the Union? Yeah. Most of it. Yeah, it is funny how China kind of, I, I felt like, became a scapegoat for a lot of things. And and maybe rightly so, because it feels like China, now that they're kind of embracing this mass capitalism, mass consumerism, is, in a sense, our greatest comp, uh, competitor. Yeah. But in the same way of, like, Mexico or these other underdeveloped countries, they don't really care about the environment, about working regulations. So it's, it's tough to compete, and... Um, yeah, but Obama's really sticking it to China. Their unfair trade practices. You know, China's doing this, China's doing that. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was funny that, uh, yeah, hey, when it, when it all comes down to it, has politics really changed? Just blame all the problems on another country and right, move on. Yeah, right. Now, what do you, uh, do you like uh, Obama's chances in this next election? I do, totally. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I mean, these guys are just a bunch of clowns. I mean, I think yeah. any Republican who actually had a chance of winning was it didn't even run. I mean, they knew Romney was going to... I'm sorry, I just don't think any of these guys has a shot. And if, frankly, if I was a Republican, if I was a really hardcore Republican, I'd be like, you know what, we're not going to win this time, so let's at least run somebody that we feel passionate about. Fuck Romney. I mean, that guy's just a fucking robot. At least Newt Gingrich, <laughs> like, gives you what you want, you know? He's like... He's kind of like an he's kind of like an arrogant asshole, you know. He's, yeah, he's yeah. like he's like a member of Oasis or something. He's like, <laughs> like what you just played. I mean, there is a part of me, yeah. I mean, cheer for that. I mean, even I cheer for that a little bit. I kind of yeah, like him. Bring he's, a little, yeah, bring a little seemed, swagger into the White yeah. House. I can appreciate <laughs> it that. It seems scary to put him in charge of everything. Of but, course. <laughs> but listening to him talk, part of me is always like, man, you're a gangster. Yeah. Like, well, and you want to you want to talk confidence? He asked his wife for an open marriage, <laughs> which I feel like his yeah. second wife supposedly asked for an open marriage. I feel like open marriage is the same way of a kiss. You don't ask for it. You just you just dive right in. Because if you're going to ask for it, the answer is going to be no. Well, it's also it also shows like a certain morality on his part if he if that actually right, exists. Exactly. If he asked for it, most people wouldn't ask for it. I mean, nobody's yeah. going to ask hey, for it. Tony Soprano, he didn't ask about the gumad. He just had a gumad. Right. right? Men of power, they don't need to ask for uh, sex outside the marriage. It's implied that it's part of the deal. Newt Gingrich, he this asked. guy's a, he's a gentleman. He's like, hey, um, I'd like. I, like, uh, Logan, pretend you're Newt Gingrich's wife. Hey, um, honey, how, how are things back at home? Oh, they're great. I wish you'd come home from the trail. Yeah, well, you know, I'm just out here stumping along the campaign trail, really sticking to these Democrats. How are, uh, how are things, uh, how are you doing? How's your, how's your book club? Oh, it's pretty rough. We really miss you back here. I hope, just come oh, home. Oh, speaking of just rough. Come home, baby. Speaking of rough. Um, it's really rough, um, keeping this monogamous. Do you mind if we open it up a little bit? It just seems like fun. What? Yeah, um, a marriage, you know, swinging thing. I mean, listen, all right, I'm not – yeah, I get it. You might have uh, cancer right now or whatever. We'll work through that. Is this a but joke? Come on. 
No, this is the... Do I sound like I'm a funny man? No, I'm not. A, what do you think I'm going to... I can't tell. I'm confused. This, are, you're hey, really asking me this? I am, I'm as dead serious about this open marriage as I am about our moon base, all right? <laughs> now, maybe one day you can be my moon wife and I'll take you up to the moon. But for now, for... You know, I'd like to take this marriage elsewhere, and I'd like my Earth marriage to be opened up with this hot little uh, thing that I found around the White House. And I think that's reasonable. <laughs> I can see Newt Gingrich like walking around in a pimp, smoking jacket, <laughs> robe kind of ensemble. <laughs> that's just great, just an old, old white pimp. And it, I mean, the, I mean, we've gone over this hypocrisy of politicians a million times, but he was literally. While he was supposedly asking this, for this open marriage, literally going on at the same time was him calling out the morality of Bill Clinton. Right, right, right. Like yeah. how da- they have no moral fiber, no moral character. I, just, I think the thing with the Republican Party right now is that the, the demographics of our country are changing so rapidly. I mean we're, we have yeah. a lot of more of other races and, and a lot of other re- pe- religions and people aren't as – it's Christian You're right. Christian. It's a problem. Oh, oh, no, 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 no. It's a good thing. I'm saying. Oh, okay. Well, I'm not. Oh. Even, I'm not even making a judgment on. It's not even. A, I'm not even making that judgment. It's like, but it's a problem for the Republicans because they keep just trying to appeal to a, a group of people that is shrinking. Well, you, you know, they're, you know, they're getting desperate yeah. when they're trying to crowbar Latinos into their game plan. Yeah. Like, hey, God. we like you. Yo, it's like George Bush. Yo, Quiero, your vote. You know, it's like, <laughs> fuck off. Exactly. Hey, listen, guys. You're already here. Uh, the fence that we're trying to build and deport a lot of you, the, we're not – the ones that can vote somehow, you guys are cool. We're talking about your cousins and close relatives. Yeah. It's so <laughs> fucked up too because, I mean, our economy is built on the backs of our, – our economy has always been built on the backs of cheap immigrant labor. And yep. the, the, the real reason why nobody does anything about immigration is because – We need to bust in the Irish lots. for us. Yeah. So all you got is these Republicans paying lip service to these people that are so fucking stupid that they don't realize that. They're just like, we want these fucking Mexicans gone. And the Republicans, you know, tell them what yeah. they want to hear. The Democrats are like too – you know, Demo- I have major problems with Democrats too. But they just – they have just a little too much integrity to lie. Plus they need the yeah. Latino, Latino vote. So they- Well, and, and I think uh, – le- I mean, we have to be realistic. Uh, whatever the solution is, especially in immigration, if there are people here and they are working, they should be documented and they should be, you know, helping to chip in tax-wise. Nothing crazy, but I mean, why? I, I don't think that's. Fa- I think it's really putting. Um, it's kind of unfair to people that are poor citizens. I think it's unfair for them to still have to pay fifteen, twenty percent. Let's say they're making minimum wage, eight dollars an hour. Eight dollars an hour, twenty percent is a big difference. So you know, like when I worked construction, me and these other guys were both making like nine, ten dollars an hour. The difference was they were getting theirs in cash and not paying any right. taxes. And I think also, you want to talk about assimilating, becoming part of a society. I think paying taxes helps you become invested in the country, in the community. Hey, I'm not going to litter as much because subconsciously there's something of like, hey, I'm a part of this society. It's not just like, okay, I'm just hanging out here to send some money back, right. blah, blah, blah. Right. You can like feel like out. more part of the team. Yeah, absolutely. They should just they should just make it easier to become a citizen if you're coming here for work especially. you know. Right, and that's, and that's anyway. kind of what – and Obama kind of hit on that. Like, hey, uh, if you're – you know, if we're bringing over these smart people from other countries, we should streamline them to become citizens so that they can stay here and grow or you know if people who are uh want to come here and become part of the military they become citizens i think uh those are great projects yeah yeah it seems to me though like the republican opinion has kind of changed on that they don't really debate that way anymore it's almost like they're saying what you're saying like they're almost pro-amnesty well i think i think right now they just kind of 
They just got to focus on the economy. Well, there that are there are people that yeah. feel very strongly about that, and they still they don't. I think they right. they go out of their way to not say anything to alienate those people. Like they're always just yeah. a little bit like, yeah, we're going to do something about well, those Mexicans someday, and we're also going to at some point we're going to le- make abortion illegal again too. I, just keep voting yeah. for us, and we'll do it. Yeah, exactly. Oh, and well, the safe thing to say is mention the fence, right? Because it's. If it doesn't happen, then you can't. You, there's so many different people. Oh, it was those uh, <laughs> other other politicians yeah. who voted them. All right, guys, we could do, we could talk all day, but unfortunately, it looks like we're uh, running out of time. Logan, you want to wrap things up here with the haiku? Let's do it. Songs for Howard Stern. Metaphorical mooning. <laughs> Drunk Wheel of Fortune. All right, Eli Braden, thank you very much for coming on to the program. Uh, where can people get more Eli Braden? Uh, EliBraden.com, EliBraden.org, EliBraden.tv, EliBraden.xxx. Oh, you got them all, man. Uh, yeah. So just Google Eli Braden, yeah, and uh, Google I'm me, sure baby. They'll... Wait, is the XXX one the porn site? Or... No, are you kidding? I'm a, I'm a gentleman. <laughs> oh, he's, he's a father, for Christ's sake, Logan. I can't believe you asked that. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Green Room. We do it live here every week on SeanTGreen.com. This has been The Green Room. Thanks for listening to The Green Room. Check out Sean Green's comedy CD, The Whiskey Dick, now available on iTunes. Follow the show on Twitter at Green Room Show and visit thecomedygaragemovie.com. Buddy seen her walk by in them tight